White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Call your sons! Call your daughters! Holy cow! Carlton Burns has put the White Sox ahead! There goes number 400! The big Brad Burns takes the perfect game! His second no-hitter! You can't put it on the board! Yeah! Can it go? Grand slam! A White Sox winner and a world championship! Have all the fun you want, Tim Anderson! This one is... Locked on socks. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Socks. I am Herb Lawrence. His name is Chris Tannehill. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Socks and on Instagram at Locked On Socks. And for our mailbag Monday, you can send us an email at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. If you want to follow me personally, it's Ecknerwall23, E-C-N-E-R-W-A-L-2-3 on Twitter. And Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. Hello, Chris. Hi, Good Herb. Evening. I haven't seen you in like in like two hours. Starting Two to miss hours. You. I've missed you. I know. It's how been, was, it's been a minute. How's your commute home? You stay dry out I, there? <laughs> yes. I, I take the brown line home and I just uh, chill out in the thing and veg out and make sure I don't hear one person. But today was different. My headphones I didn't charge, so I had to listen Ooh. to everybody's conversation. Oh, it's it the was worst. Terrible. That is. Oh my god. I, I seriously. I I rather die than than be on the train and not have headphones because you always have to keep a spare set of headphones in your in your wallets because even if they eventually don't work over time, it'll at least give the illusion that you're listening to something, so you don't have to talk to someone else. God forbid. Oh my god, that's terrible. I feel so sorry it was for you. The worst thoughts and, and prayers. The headphones I'm using currently to record this podcast were here at my apartment mm. instead of in my pocket where they usually are, as you said, just having them as an emergency. But they're not here for that. They're here I, for I white think they are. They're talk. here for the camaraderie of, uh, of us talking about our respective commutes. You had a good one, right? It was fine, you know. I had, uh, you know, had I had my headphones, so that immediately makes it much better than yours. Um, it, you know, it was fine. He's got home before seven, so that's always a win. You know, it stayed dry. It's just, snow's not sticking out here in these streets, so we'll we'll be all right. Even though I kind of wish it would stay snowing. I, I want us to get bombed one more time with snow, so I can use this snowblower that I got that I've only used one damn time uh, this winter. So I would I would like to be able to use it one more time to offset the. The uh, the maintenance costs I have for the damn thing. So maybe maybe we'll get enough tonight. I don't know. So, Episode yeah. twenty five, Herbie. Twenty five. I mean, the easy one you can go to, of course, is Tomei. I mean, are we gonna do that? That is very well, easy. Twenty five. There's there's a rich history with number twenty five on the South Side. I mean, who else pops in your mind when you think of twenty five other than well, Ge- Gentleman well, Jim? Well, he was here for only a couple of years, but Andrew Jones was 25, I believe. Yeah, he had his 400th home run in a White Sox uniform. They commemorated it with a bobblehead. It's one of the cooler-looking bobbleheads because he's got the Oakley shades on, so I like that one. Yeah, I remember Adam Harris loved uh, uh, Andrew Jones before he even got to the White Sox, and then when he did get to the White Sox, he was even more in love with Andrew Jones. And the disrespect that keeps on going out with uh, Andrew Jones is is uh, 
shameful because that man should be a Hall of Famer. Ten gold gloves, one of the best center fielders, if not the best defensive center fielder of all time. Give us respect. Um, Jim Abbott, 425. Joe Borchert. Jim uh, and Jeff Adam Abbott. Lover. Dual Abbott action was sporting the 25. Yeah, Jeff Abbott. Oh, yeah. I did not see that. Um, uh, the Pope Don Paul word. I put quick Pope Don Paul story. Uh, I got his autograph at Sox Fest in 93 when I was 10. Good. It was a good year. Him and Jack McDowell stopped. Didn't have to wait in line. It was great. That was way back in the day when you didn't have to really wait in lines. You can just kind of hang around and get autographs from players as, as you see fit. But, yeah, the Pope, Don Paul. And 2017, uh, Cody Ashey uh, sported number 25 for the White Sox. And I don't anticipate mentioning that name again on this podcast, oh. but it did bring to mind one of Hawks' uh, odd uh, out of moments in his, in his latter years with the, with the Sox. Here's Cody Ashey. Say it like that. It sounds Asian. Cody actually sounds Asian. So that was one of those. <laughs> like that'll get lost uh, uh, through time if we don't preserve memories like that on the Lockdown Sox podcast. And do you know who last wore twenty five for the Sox? Yeah, I mean, for the Sox, yeah. I mean, I have the list in front of me. Obviously, I don't, I don't, okay. I don't, I don't have the the uh, the uncanny ability to remember jersey numbers, so I have to prepare. But yeah, this guy this guy will probably come up uh, several times the rest of the season. Of course, our guy Odorisamer Despagne. Oh yes, a guy that we love to ha- hammer here. He only like pitched like what five six games in White Sox yeah. in his White Sox career. He pitched three games in his White Sox career, and we shit on him yeah. constantly, and rightfully so. Just- <laughs> Yeah, he's like I'm sure the one, he's the, at the house just chilling. He's like, you know, life is pretty good. I'm 33 year old guy. Played the major leagues for six years. Uh, let me check in some uh, some uh, podcasts, and yeah. then he turns this one on. He's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, what the fuck, I do these guys. <laughs> well, he's you know he's gonna be one of those guys when you think of the faces of the rebuild. Like when they do, they should do like if this team ever wins another World Series again, they should bring back all the guys that were on the rebuild teams that uh, that let this happen. Let let, let them build the the six. Sustained success. Bring back the guys that are faces of a rebuild, like Odorisamar Despagne and Cody Ashi, and ha- let them have a day. Let them have their moment in the sun. And if you're going to be filling out a sporkle quiz of White Sox in the 2010s, you're never going to get 2018 number 25 Ryan Lamar. Oh, <laughs> I have oh. no memories of the man. God, I think I only time I remember him there's a walk off somewhere. One of the Yomer walk-offs where he's, like, splashing himself or splashing somebody else with Gatorade. And I saw the jersey, 25, they're in the dark jerseys, and in Lamar. I was like, who the fuck was Lamar? Yeah, if you look at one of Yomer's, you know, he's either running to a Matt Davidson's walk-off or somebody else's walk-off. It's Ryan Lamar in the middle of that just having the time of his life. Yeah, and also we can't forget Adam LaRoche. We're just going to breeze past that. Like that. I mean, a lot of people talk about the unlucky White Sox, and they've had, oh, you know, Jake Berger is, you know, their first round pick. He's out with injuries every year. And Michael Kopech had to have Tommy John, and Dane Dunning had the Tommy John. I don't want to hear about unlucky when you had Adam Adam LaRoche show up to your spring training in 2016 and just be like, you know what? I don't want to play for you guys anymore. And all of a sudden you had that contract off the books. I don't want to hear any more of this unlucky nonsense with the White Sox. Oh, just so great. Just a great time. I mean, I know that people always wondered why I gave Jimmy Rollins a number thing. This is why. Jimmy Rollins allowed that man to leave our team. 
It was a great day. It was a great, and exposed a couple other people who I wanted off the team. And uh, now both world champions, Chris Sale and Adam Eaton. Yes, so what a congratulations world. to them. But both D-backs, get off my team. So, yeah, I think we'll, this will be the Jim Tomey episode. The, the game 163, the, the solo home run, only run of the game, one of the great moments in White Sox history. It shows you what a bad history the Sox have, a, a play-in game home run. But Jim Tomey. Uh, a nice little run with the White Sox, and but I'll always resent him because that meant the end of Frank Thomas in 2006. So I don't I don't care much about Jim Tomey, to be honest with you. Oh, so you're like an Indians fan? Uh, those <laughs> yeah, I'll boo him. Yeah. Oh my God! When when Jim Tomey, if you guys if you're a White Sox fan, you know this. When Jim Tomey went back to Cleveland all the time when he was a White Sox or a Philly, they would boo him lustily all the time, like like he wanted to leave, like like yeah, he left as a free agent, but. You know, Cleveland was cheap, cheap, cheap as fuck. And they would boo him. And then after, like, late in his career when he was a twin, uh, I don't know what other team he went back. I might, he might have went back to the Indians. They were like, oh, yeah, we love you, gentlemen. Jim, you're one of us as always. It's like, no, you ungrateful sons of bitches. He gave you great years in Cleveland. Then you booed him. It was so, so dickish i hated the twins for oh not twins the indians for doing that the, 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 the amount of love that Sox fans have for jim tomey that's for whatever reason the amount of hatred they had for jim tomey in 2006 when he returned to uh to cleveland so uh, it's definitely one of the odder things i've seen over the years the most random like why are you booing this man but anyway uh well moving on uh, tonight's episode of locked on Sox. we're going to get into some spring training op- observations we're going to talk about us willing things into existence on the podcast and we'll talk about where guaranteed rate field ranks in terms of beer across baseball but uh, spring training Sox had split squad games today they lost the first game to the Indians, ten to two, in Goodyear. Not much to report out of that one. Uh, four hits total in the ball game: Luis Basabe, Gavin Sheets, Danny Mendick, and Cheslor Cuthbert had one uh, as well. So those are all your hits today. And sadly, Bernardo uh, Flores got roughed up a bit, uh, taking the loss in that one. But in Glendale, the White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Dutch Turtle Bridge, Division Street. Let's go. The White Sox can't lose. The, the games are pretend, but the wins are real. And in that uh, second split squad game where they won 4-3 to three over the Giants, Lots of interesting things going on. Uh, of course, the Sox center fielder of the future was on full display, making things happen, and that's, of course, Adam Engel with a game-tying double in the ninth inning, Herbie. Finally. I mean, that's what we've been waiting for. Adam Engel, he's the guy that we've been looking for. I mean, that's Shane Reardon's guy. He's been uh, on the Adam Eaton bandwagon forever, and that's, uh, of course, what we've been looking for in the ninth inning, too. Yeah. Like, that's what he does. That's what Adam Engel does. He just shows up and gets base hits late in the game to win your games. He's been doing it for years on the south side. And, you know, it's more more of that to come in 2020. No, of course, folks. I'm talking about Luis Robert today with a triple. I don't know if you saw the video yet, Herbie, of the Luis Robert's triple, but uh, I think the White Sox account tweeted it not too long ago. Uh, 11 seconds uh, from uh, home plate to third base on this triple great great piece of hitting he takes the ball just you know he's not trying to do too much with it just kind of flips it out into the right field gap and boy can this kid fly i am so excited 
to see Luis Robert in center field every day, and we're not going to have to talk about any service time manipulation to boot. Just him being out there, like we haven't seen a lot of him just in general because he didn't come up at the end of last year. I didn't get a chance to watch that many games in Charlotte, so just getting a chance to watch him, it's just like one of the more another exciting layer to this team in 2020. Yeah, I got to see the the triple, and yeah, like you said, most of the guys would have been smooth with a double, like maybe even pulling up and maybe I have to slide with a double. That man was like, nope, I'm in. I hit it. I see I see it hit the gap, and I'm hitting that second gear when I turn around second. And he got there. Man, I can't believe how fast he is and how powerful he is. Like the, the specimen of a person that he is. He is just, uh, man, uh, just put together. And that's built by Domino's, friends. That's what happens when you eat fast food pizza. <laughs> You get that type of body and get that type of speed. So evidently, yeah, Domino's and pig roasts in the Dominican Republic, apparently. But yeah, it's one thing I did not like about that play is the sliding head first, especially with his injury history in the fingers and tearing up those fingers, sliding in to second and third base. We we, we can't have that in the spring. I'd rather have you get tagged out standing up than sliding head first in the third base. I wholeheartedly agree because that is not a thing that I'm a fan of. Your hands and your fingers are the most important parts of your body. If with a broken finger or a broken hand, you cannot play the game. So let's keep it safe. Slide foot first. I mean, I know Chris Bryant has got injured this way. Javi Baez has got injured this way. Others in the league, Mike Trout has got injured this way. We need to be mindful of our hands and feet being our most important – our hands being our most important tool, especially swinging that bat. So – If they can find a way where he can just slide foot first or just be comfortable with that and stay safe, I'm all for it. I hope someone pulled him aside today and said, hey, kid, we don't need any more of that. Great hustle. We love seeing the hustle. That should never take any time off. I I was reading about Tim Anderson today and how his his legs and feet and ankles are are looking good, looking back to to 100%. So he was hustling around the bases a little bit. So you'd like to see the hustle because that's something you instill early on. But, kid, don't don't more sliding into third base like that. Another thing we saw today uh, that we'll be seeing a lot more of, obviously, is Eloy. Stealing mm. stealing balls in the gap away from Luis Robert. Eloy with a nice diving catch out there in left field today. I don't know if you saw that one. I did see that. I don't know if you got the same feeling I did. Was I saw it kind of in left field, and I saw both of them converging, but Eloy closer. I was like, yeah, just let that drop, Eloy. <laughs> Call it off or do something. Just make sure that we don't collide and you don't get injured. Good catch. Appreciate it, brother, but you know what? Make a single next time. I don't need you to be injured playing the outfield. He's already got injured twice playing the outfield in his rookie year. Great catch, but make sure that Luis Robert has most of those balls. If it's 50-50 balls, I want them to be 80-20 balls for you and Luis. So my heart skipped a beat, even though it wasn't even that close. I'm only thinking about what things can go wrong before we get started with this great season. Yeah, that's just symptomatic of us being White Sox fans. We're always thinking about every time a ball is thrown, there's more things that can go wrong than things that can go right, no doubt about it. But another thing that was interesting yesterday in the uh, White Sox win was the Yermin Mercedes home run, and good Lord, did he kill that baseball. They, I think the estimated distance was 377 uh, feet. No way. Ridiculous. Yeah, that was uh, an incredible under 
<laughs> a measurement of that one. But your mean Mercedes, we've talked about before on the podcast. You've said you're a your mean Mercedes hipster. And Ricky, Ricky Renarito was talking about Yermin today, I believe it was, and he said about Yermin, the whole organization is excited about him. A uh, little bit of a complete package uh, as a catcher as well, which is like saying I'm a little bit of a complete package of a podcast host. I don't know what uh, if either you are a package uh, or you're not a package. Or he said a little bit of a package, but he was trying to give him some props defensively, saying he's a nice receiver and he's got a decent arm. But your mean Mercedes is going to force the Sox into a tough decision, I think, with this 26 roster spot. Of course they are. I mean, they know that his black his bat plays in the major leagues. Now, different metrics in double A AA and triple A said, hey, he wasn't that good of a catcher, but other metrics say, no, 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 no. He was actual brood uh receiver of the ball and framer of the baseball because he's not a natural catcher. I think he came up as either a first baseman or a third baseman and they converted him to catcher. He is if you're the twenty sixth man and he's a the third catcher on this team, he only needs to hit. Catching is very, very seldom because if you're given a day off for Yasmani Grandal, you would want James McCann to be that backup guy. And if you're going to have Yasmani play in the field, the DH, you're definitely going to want James to be the guy behind him in the catcher's role. So there's going to be very limited times for him to be actually catching and this is why I don't want Zach Collins on the team because his development in the minor leagues is not even done as far as being a catcher and a hitter so with no playing time at all in the major leagues at the catching position that will do him no good he needs to go back down the AAA split some time with Sebi Zavala who both are blocked because of the great signing of Yasmani Grandal but you know those are the things that you have to deal with when you have a team that hasn't developed the catcher themselves in a long time. So he went out and got a guy that was already developed in Yasmani Grandal and paid him the richest contract in White Sox history. And so this is why I want Yermin on the team. He already can hit, so he can get off that bench and he hits. And he's not going to be bitching for playing time because he's a 28-year-old guy. He's going to be grateful for the opportunity to finally play in the major leagues, which he has not done in his whole career. And you you give a chance for a guy with good reverse splits. He has like he hits the same versus lefties as he does versus righties. The guy just knows how to put the bat to the ball and put it in power. I'll put it in place for some power too. And if Rick Hahn is serious about this season as well, he should be. This is no longer a developmental year. This is about making the playoffs or at least competing for a playoff spot deep in the year. I don't know how you can sit here and say Zach Collins with you know limited at bats limited playing time at catcher how that helps you as a 26 man on the roster spot i'm starting to warm up to the idea since we found out recently that puig's not coming to town um Mm -hmm. you know i i think having your mean mercedes in a bat like that uh as your 26 man is going to do more for you in terms of winning ball games i mean because you know, you don't know what you're going to get from Encarnacion this year. I mean, his numbers certainly show that, oh, he, he's going to be 30-plus home runs every year. But you never know. Uh, guys get hurt. They get dinged up a little bit. And just to have a bat like that uh, on your bench for late in the ball game that can give you a little pop, like that I think is, is more beneficial to the 2020 White Sox than having Zach Collins there. And as far as if you're, you, you are still trying to develop talent, no doubt about it, and 
the right thing for Collins is to be in AAA every day where he can play. That way, God forbid, if there is an injury to one of the catchers, he's you know not rusty. He's been catching every day, refining his abilities, refining his pitch framing, and getting consistent at bats. Like you know, for a first round pick who didn't play a lot last year for, you know, we talked about it at the time before we had a podcast about his limited playing time and how that wasn't going to do the Sox any good, him playing once or twice a week. But the best thing for him, stay in Charlotte, work on that catching, you know, get consistent at bats, and maybe, you know, he'll play himself into some a uh, good trade value there. But, yeah, I, I definitely think Yermin is a good candidate for that 26 roster spot. I'd like to see more from him. But if if that home run was any indicator of the type of, of raw power that he has, uh, man, that, that can only mean good things for the White Sox. So uh, other things happening that I really, really like seeing yesterday and today, something that we haven't seen in recent years as White Sox fans is watching a spring game, and you look up, and all of a sudden, there's young talent all over the field. And every time you look up, there's a new interesting guy getting at bats. And yesterday, number one pick Andrew Vaughn came into the game, and, and he smacked a double. That was nearly a home run if it wasn't for the outfield uh, uh, gated fence beyond the wall in Glendale. But Andrew Vaughn, man, how about this kid? He's got a little bit of a Paul Canerco finish. He doesn't have necessarily the Paul Canerco body type, but when I saw that that sort of finishing the uppercut swing, you know, with the with the legs, you know, crossed up at the, at the end, he reminded me a little bit of PK there. But so that's another guy too that's going to be interesting. Not this year, maybe, maybe for September call up, but for next year, I think there he's going to force the issue there too. I don't know if, what you think about Andrew Vaughn so far. I feel great about Andrew Vaughn. I saw him only for the first time yesterday with his swing. Yeah, and that right after Yermin Mercedes hit that rocket shot, it was that Andrew Vaughn double that almost went over the fence himself. But, yeah, they're going to force the issue. Andrew Vaughn's going to force them to play him next year. He'll be in the lineup next year. Now, is that getting Edwin Encarnacion off the team? Is that, you know, finding a way to limit Jose Abreu's uh, availability on first base and putting him more at DH, I don't know. But he's going to force the issue with his play this year at AA and, and eventually at AAA. So it's good problems to have. You have a lot of guys chomping at the bit to get in the major leagues where they're blocked by actual major league baseball players. It's a great thing to have. And it's first time in a while that or ever that I remember a White Sox team is like the starters are young or we're young and good. And the guys coming off the bench are kind of young and good. And then the guys in the minors are young and chopping at the bit and maybe looking to take some places in the next couple of years. So I'm very happy about Andrew Vaughn. Collins is not the guy that we've been promised yet, but there's still time for him to do this thing. Sebi Zavala had a long home run the first game of the year. So, yeah, there's some future there. And, and uh, of course, Nick Rocket Show, uh, Laser Show, as the Mr. Zoe calls him, Madrigal is coming, and I hope he starts the year with the White Sox. We've talked about that in episodes prior. And another guy, just real quick, who we mentioned on the last podcast we did was Blake Rutherford. I got to see you know the newly beefed up Blake Rutherford. We talked about last podcast how he put on a little weight trying to get a little more power. Didn't do him a whole lot of good yesterday. He had a home run robbed of him, but just seeing him, he left-handed stick with a nice, nice swing. Uh, just it's great to see these options uh, all over, and all of a sudden you see there's hope 
it's not just guys who wouldn't be on another team and, and they're, they're filling out a roster for the Sox during rebuild years. But it's nice to see guys and that you hear about all season long and you see on these prospect lists. It's nice to see them in big league uniforms uh, getting a shot to show what they can do uh, in limited spring action. And another guy uh, we saw a couple of years ago start for the White Sox, got hurt last year, got released actually, and now is back with the White Sox is Nicky Delmonico. His swing looks right. It looks really right. I'm not going to be replacing him or having him replace anybody we have in the current outfield, even though I don't, you know, don't have a great affinity towards Nomar Mazzara. But if Nicky Delmonico reserve, I mean, gets his type of uh, bat power and uh, the three for three game that he had the other day versus the Dodgers, mercy. I can see him passing up Nomar Mazzara. He's not that old, and he's been with the team, fan favorite. I love Nicky Delmonico. He can play right field for us. If uh, Nomar Mazar struggles, I'm in. Yeah, Delmonico is one of my favorite guys. You know, we had a chance to meet him in person. He's come to the Score Studios once or twice. Um, at, at the very least, you know, I think he could stick with another major league team. Like as a professional, you just want the best for these guys, and he, I don't think he fits here. So maybe he can stick somewhere else. That would that would certainly be great to see. He should consider though. Uh, bringing his glove to the outfield with him because that was he, Nicky had some problems uh, those last time with the White Sox and it was 2018 where he was playing every day before the injury last year. But yeah, he, he should you know work tighten up that defense a little bit and I think he could find himself uh, on a major league roster in 2020. But I talked earlier about us on the Locked On Sox podcast willing things into existence, and then this report comes out earlier this week from our guy James Fox at James Fox nine one seven. Quote, sources, the White Sox and Yoan Moncada are in discussions on a contract extension. It should be for six-plus seasons, and the total outlay would be the largest in franchise history if completed. The, you know, great news. Uh, I'll talk about some of the pushback that came out today, but your initial reaction to that tweet when you saw it yesterday. Fantastic. I'm a big-time fan of them signing him for a long-term extension. And like we were saying the other day, if it's a deal where it's like, man, I can't turn this down. This is a great deal, great opportunity for me. I love the city. I love the, the people I got around me. Let me sign it. Smooth. Good for you. I wouldn't think he would do it the other day. I was saying I wouldn't think he would do it because of, first, the CBA is coming up. Secondly, there's no rush to do it. Thirdly, uh, you don't know what the CBA is going to be saying after the 2021 year. So, if he wants to sign it before, I'm good for it. If it's a buck twenty like uh, Xander Bogert's got for six years, I'm in. Let's do it. If I'm him, I'm waiting another season and see if I could boost up that value a little bit more. I'm going to see if I can stack two seasons of top ten MVP type numbers and and see if, if it's really worth my while. Because you know, like we talked about the last podcast, he's got. His money already from being an international international free agent from Cuba, and he knows his value. And I would certainly love to see it, but if I'm him, I'm going to bet on myself a little bit more. This guy's got the all the tools to be a top ten player in baseball for the next ten years. So if I were him, I'd wait. But as a Sox fan, I hope he he does uh, work something out. But then it came out today with your buddy John Heyman. How are you and John, by the way? Everything good with you guys? Or still bad? Still bad. He called me <laughs> that one time. Yes. And then he blew- 
blocked me. You guys heard the, uh, uh, the story about that. But, yeah, he hadn't talked to me since. I still got his number. I can call him up if I wanted to. So I'll, I'll read you. Anytime John Heyman uh, tweets something, I'll read it to you because he's got you blocked. So John Heyman reports to follow up uh, on James Fox's report. White Sox have done a lot of good work on contracts this winter, but the Moncada extension rumors are said premature. No evidence anything's afoot there at present. And then Rick Hahn pushed back a little bit. Yohan Moncada said, no, there's nothing really going on. Which anytime people say that there's nothing going on and everyone's got a unified front, oh, no, we're, nothing's going on. Anytime there's a, a united stance in that regard, it leads me to believe there's definitely something going on because I trust our guy James Fox on this one. 100%. James Fox, you guys don't know. He's the one who broke the news about the Luis Robert extension a month before anybody even had it a month before it even happened so james fox you can believe in that man's sources he tells you the truth Ch follow him over at james fox 917 he's uh, i think the editor uh, at future socks and a couple other places so believe in that man's work believe in him much more than john Heyman, <laughs> much more than us that's for sure james fox wouldn't block me <laughs> that's true that's true um so finally today you know just wrapping it up here i've held on to this story for a couple episodes and i want to make sure we get to it uh, kind of close on a lighter note today you know saris who does a great job covering mlb for the athletic he he wrote an article last week a beer nerd's guide to baseball ranking every stadium by craft beer offerings um so he's got craft beer scores uh for every ballpark in baseball he rates them three criteria, what their top beer is, what their average beer is, and their accessibility of those said beers. So a couple of ones of note here, rank number 23rd is Wrigley Field, and I've been to Wrigley a bunch of times. I know you've been. It's definitely a lot better since they did the renovations recently. They've really done a great job of, of meshing the old with the new. Finally, as it was long overdue on the north side. Um, but they said, you know, says that their top beer average ranking is about a seven. Their average beer ranking is about a five and the accessibility is a four. Obviously, anyone who's ever been to Wrigley knows that getting around that concourse, uh, there's not a lot of options there. There's a lot of no. people. So it can it can be real touch and go. But basically, they've got old style. They've had that there forever. Um, and they've got Bell's Oberon. Delicious Bell's. Yeah. And one thing they do have going for them that the, uh, the White Sox don't have at this point is they have zombie dust from Three Floyds at Wrigley Field. And I've not had a zombie dust at Wrigley Field. I would imagine they're hard to get, which leads to the accessibility score being at just a four. But, yeah, zombie dust at Wrigley. I can imagine you can miss an entire game waiting online for zombie dust at Wrigley Field from our friends at Three Floyds. Yeah, I mean, it's not – I'm trying to think of when and where the zombie dust would be. There's – a specific beer slash wine place you can get on the third baseline um, concession stand on the, if you're sitting on the lower deck. But otherwise, I'm trying to think of any other place you can get it. Like you know, you know says field. you know says 132 most likely. I don't. I'm trying to picture where that is at Wrigley. It's been a while, but section 132 is the one that kind of okay. has stuff like One, that. 132 is pro is in between. I think in between uh, the, at the third baseline home plate. So yeah, maybe there's a beer slash splash wine specific place that you can get a beer uh that is different i usually get like a, a summer shandy or something like that light yeah because it's the cheapest it's the cheapest beer at wrigley because fucking wrigley is just dumb that's like a 1050 beer <laughs> and of course what else we know about wrigley they got rats big in the 
pick. Thank you, Ozzy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another shocker on this list. So hopefully, hopefully things will turn around for the Cubs in recent years. But number twenty-three on Nino Saris's list of craft beer at the ballpark. Number nineteen ranked very low for the best ballpark in baseball, PNC Park, with a top beer rating of just seven, average beer rating of five, and accessibility at only five, which was odd to me because I never had a problem getting anything at PNC Park. But not my, at all. My my philosophy on PNC Park is basically this. If you're not drinking a, a Yingling or an Iron City Lights, Dave wants that's favorite beer, then I don't know what you're doing there. It should just be that. That's what they have. That's what you're drinking. It's delicious and shut up about it when Yins are going down there. So PNC Park at just 19. What did you drink? You drank Iron City when we were there, right? I drank Iron City and Yingling. I drank both yes. of them because Yingling is that's the only way you're placed. Like Illinois, you can't get a Yingling at all. Like I've been to other states. I've been to Indiana. I've been to Pittsburgh. I've been to Florida. They have Yingling on tap. And every time I get a chance to get some Yingling, it's delicious. I get it. I know people don't like it that much, which is weird to me. Um, the owners, you know, some wackadoodle, whatever. <laughs> but anyway, I like the taste of Yingling, especially as a nice ballpark beer in a specific uh, section of a se- of a uh, like a, a region beer. It's delicious. It's nothing like special. No extra hops, no IPA, all that stuff. It's just a delicious, I don't know, Pilsner or lager. Just delicious. And rank number four on the list, uh, guaranteed rate field on the south side. We know it could be higher than that. Eno gives guaranteed rate field a top beer score of nine, an average beer score of nine, and accessibility nine. So pretty good all across the board. Eno says this, and what might prove to be an innovation that eventually will spread to most ballparks around the league the White Sox put in a craft cave in 2017, a beer bar with plenty of taps, but even more impressive beer cooler. We all know about the craft cave. We hang around there sometimes, and we, we miss most of the game because we're gabbing away like a couple of hens down there in the craft cave. But they got any beer you're in the mood for, they've got. They've got lots of great local options like Revolution, Salamoth, Three Floyds. So you're, you're always money going to the craft cave, and everyone knows little secret for the Lockdown Sox listeners. I don't think it's going to be a secret this year, but in years past when everyone's down in the cave, you can go upstairs. They have like an express cave in the 500 level where you can get pretty much the same selection of beers uh, mm-hmm. and, and wait significantly less time. Well, you got to take a little bit of a walk, but it's fine. You know, take your little picture by the Chicago uh, logo sign up there in the upper deck, but your but your money after that. So I, I, I love that. The Sox are on the forefront of this craft beer revolution in baseball. They were one of the first to, 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 to show love to a lot of independent breweries and, and, and local breweries uh, at the ballparks. And I think that that's really cool that they're on this list so highly. What's your favorite beer to drink when you're at Guaranteed Rate Field? Everybody is a Sox fan back in the day used to drink Miller Lite at the ballpark because that was the official beer of the White Sox. And then something happened, the following out happened, then they made it, Modelo was the official beer of the White Sox, and they opened up, I don't know if it was coincidentally, or the same year or year before, the Revolutionary uh, Beer Tap, or the Beer Center, up there, uh, where you go up and get your hats and stuff for free. Yeah. Um, I usually go and get, uh, what's that one beer we had as a group? Um, I try to think, it wasn't like a cider beer, it was like a, it was a citrus beer, um, from Rev's Revolution, Revolution oh. Beer Brewing, it tastes kind of like yeah. a uh, Citra Hero. Citra Hero. Yeah, it tastes. Yeah, that was the delicious beer we had. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, this is like a shock top, 
I like this. It's a nice, refreshing beer. And that's usually what I get. I get something light and refreshing because usually it's a summer game. I don't want anything heavy. I'm already eating something really heavy probably. And I want something that's going to be nice and light, refreshing. And then I can get another one after that. So a shock top, I'll get one of those uh, citrus beers from Rev. Or hmm, just go and get a regular, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, go and get a regular, like, uh, I don't know, swill beer. I don't even know what they have there anymore. <laughs> trying to think. Yeah, I like, you know, just if I'm if I'm going to the cave, uh, I like getting anything from Three Floyds, obviously, anything from Salamoth. Usually Salamoth's, their, their regular Pilsner they have is nice and light, and it's perfect. You can crush a bunch of them. But during the, the hot days in the summer, usually I like to go get my sausage and peppers. It's my favorite thing to get along with the Elotes. That's right, folks, Elotes, the number one snack food in all of baseball. Do you like Elotes? Oh, that's my middle name. I'll like get an elotes and then I'll swing over. They have the revolution on tap there in the lower bowl and it's right there. They've got that sun crusher, which is like my favorite beer to drink on an extra hot day. It's so refreshing. So, oh my God, my, my mouth's watering just thinking about it. And month from a month from tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday morning, a month from today, right? You know, the, the season is kicking off. So I'm looking forward to getting out there and having a few of these, even though it could be snowing. Oh, yeah, definitely snowing that day. Um, that's 100% that's going to happen because we know we can't have nice things here in the city. <laughs> Wait for the whole damn year. That 26th day, the March 26th will be snowed out. You have to do that Friday game, which is fine with me because I could possibly go to that game. Yeah. Lucky but, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to going to uh, guarantee rate and just celebrate. I know I'm already going to the game on the 28th. No rain that day. We need to be a straight day where no rain, about 55 degrees. We're sitting up in the 531 section. Come and say what's up to us. And um, just going to have a great time beating those Kansas City Royals. You know what? I love beating the Kansas City Royals. So does Tim Anderson. Well, I just want to walk from here. Time for him. That's right, Tim. You got it. All right. I think that's it for us tonight, Herbie. Uh, you know, looking forward to breaking down some more spring action. There's, you know, games may not matter in terms of record but there's lots of storylines lots of things to watch for so i'm looking forward to uh, the next episode we do and it's never too early to get in your questions for the locked on socks mailbag just hit us up drop us an email locked on socks at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter at locked on socks as well and we'll take questions from there as well we'll do that at the end of the week so i'm looking forward to talking to you next time around herbie yeah i think i'll see you tomorrow you will all right, man. See you later. That's Chris. I'm Herb. This has been Locked on Socks. Thank you for joining us. Good night.